And repeat after me, I can speak boldly. That's what I'm looking for right there. So I'm going to need you to keep that bold and loud volume for this illustration to work. Because I'm going to get you to say just one word. Okay, all I need you to do is say one word when I count to three. And to make sure that you know what word to say, I'm going to get it to you as much as possible. So if you have your bulletin in front of you, some of you all have that, there is at the top of those notes instructions, and I want you to make sure you have that in front of you. If you don't, that's okay, because I'm also going to put them up on the screen so you can see them up on the screen. And in case you don't have your bulletin or you're not paying attention to the screen, I'm also going to tell you what to say here in just a moment. But the temptation is going to be, I promise you, the temptation is going to be is not to follow instructions boldly to be timid. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, you might even have some confusion over what you're supposed to say, and you'll be tempted to stay quiet. I need you to do it boldly and loudly, just like we practiced, okay? Can we, can we do that this morning? So you've got the bulletin in front of you, right? I'm going to put it on the screen, and on the count of three, I want you to say the word green, okay? One, two, three. Hey, you all did pretty good. Everybody followed my instructions. Now, nobody paid attention to what was in the bulletin? What if that was the word you were supposed to say? Nobody paid attention to what was on the screen? What if that was the word you were supposed to say? I'm proud of how bold you were to follow your pastor. By the way, that was not the illustration, but man, thank you for following your pastor's lead this morning and ignoring what was in your bulletin and what was on the screen. You know, sometimes we have messages that come from all sorts of different directions. It might say, say red. It might say, say blue. And you're, someone else may say, say green. And, and if you're like me, you get all of these mixed messages and we go, I guess I got to say something. He just said, say green. That's what I'm going to say. But we have all of these sources of, of knowledge that's pushing us to do different things. And sometimes it's just flat out confusing what we're supposed to follow. Do we follow this voice? Do we follow that voice? Do we follow this speaker? Do we follow this person? Do we follow this book? Do we follow this source of truth? And so this morning, I want to encourage us with a sermon that when we hear all of the noise around us, to know what our source of truth is. One more bit of participation, and I do. This is simple, and I just want you to repeat a few phrases after me. If you believe the phrase I say, repeat it boldly and loudly. The Bible is the Word of God. What it teaches, I will believe. What it commands, I will obey. And when it convicts, I will change. I hope you believe that this morning. If you believe that, turn with me in your copy of God's Word to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. We're going to be looking at the wise and the foolish builders. In Matthew chapter 7, uh, as we read this in just a moment, we need to keep in mind that this passage is in the context of a larger sermon. What we call the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus is giving probably his longest recorded message to the people who are following him. And all throughout, there's different familiar illustrations and teachings of Christ. So we're getting towards the end here in Matthew chapter 7. And he gets to this parable of, of two different types of people, wise builders and foolish builders. And I'm going to read the passage this morning, and then we're going to keep that in the context of the sermon as a whole, remembering that this is just a snippet of what would have been possibly a, 
a half-day or a day-long teaching session from Christ. Let's read Matthew 7, verses 24 through 27 together. It says this, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the wind blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Jesus gives us two different types of people, a wise man and a foolish man. And we've learned this story in our Sunday school class growing up in vacation Bible school. If you've learned anything about the Gospels at all, you might have heard a story of these two individuals who built their houses on two different types of foundations. And quite honestly, it seems obvious to us, who would build their house on sand? That just doesn't make sense. It actually almost seems foolish, right? Which is the point that Christ is trying to make. Helping put this in the context of a whole, though, where they would be building these houses would have been along an area of land that in the dry drought time would, would be so dry, the sand so compact, you could safely put a structure on top of that sand. It was matted and beat down, hard as a rock. And certain times of year, you may come to a plot of land and say, this, this is a firm place to build. And in that season, it wouldn't seem so foolish. It would seem obvious to you that you found a nice, sturdy, hard piece of land to build on until the rainy season came. And when the rainy season came, that sand would start to absorb that moisture and it would turn more into the sand that we're used to and the house would sink, the structure would sink. Not far from this sand area would have been a very rocky area, a very tough place that was unaffected by water. And the wise people would not just look at any old land. They would go to that rocky area, maybe not as smooth, maybe not as flat, but certainly as sturdy. And they would build their house on a firmer foundation. Not based on the environment of a season, not based on the current conditions, but based on the fact that a rock will hold the building better than clay or sand would. The truth is, as foolish as it seems for us to go down to any old beach and build a structure flat on top of the sand, a lot of us look at the ground around us and think it's firm enough. Right now, it will do for today. So as we look at these wise and foolish builders, it is foolish to build on the sand, but let's not dismiss that as if only somebody else would be foolish enough to build there. The reason why we need to put ourselves in the foolish person's mindset is because the stakes are extremely high. Just before this, this passage, again, Jesus is speaking a whole sermon. Listen to the verses just before this parable. Jesus tells us what this parable is about. Now, if you and I are reading this just at face value, we're probably reading this passage and saying we need to have wisdom because if we don't have wisdom, then bad things might happen to us, right? So if you don't do things right, then here and now, things might go poorly. But the temptation is to put the parable, to put the story as in something that is temporary, something that 
that may affect us in the here and now when Jesus is putting it on a much larger context. It's not just that the stakes could go wrong for you today, but the stakes are much higher. Look with me in this this verse is preceding, Matthew 7, verses 21 through 23. Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Elsewhere in the gospel, Jesus actually has an expanded teaching on this verse where he talks about more details where he's separating the, the good versus the evil. And it's very obvious in these verses, Matthew 7, 21 through 23, that Jesus is not talking about a temporary issue. Right? Coming right off, Jesus is saying, there are people who will stand before me looking at all of eternity and say, I had a Jesus bumper sticker and a Jesus t-shirt. I went to church and I sang the songs. I went on mission trips or to camp. I, I did all of the things, God, that you wanted me to do. I sang on the stage. I worked in the balcony and helped with the sound. And the, uh, I taught children's classes. Maybe even I taught adult classes. I served God and he's going to look and he's going to say, who are you? I, I'm sorry. Are, are you someone that that I'm supposed to know? It's kind of haunting to realize that for all of eternity, there are going to be people who seem to do all the right things, and yet God looks at them and says, depart from me. This isn't a temporary issue. This isn't the fact that now we have a, a sinking foundation, we've got to put some concrete to shore it up, right? This isn't a, I made a mistake, and now I've got to fix it. This is, this is forever in this passage that Jesus is talking about. This is the moment in Matthew 7, 21 through 23, that Jesus says, yes, come enter into my rest, or no, depart from me and spend eternity in hell. That, that's what this passage is. And the very next set of verses we read are about the wise and the foolish builder. The stakes, the lesson is not make a wise decision, because if you don't, you might have to fix a problem. The stakes are much higher than that. The stakes are eternal life. Being the foolish builder does not mean that you and I make a mistake and could put a Band-Aid on. As you read this passage this morning, can we pause for just a moment and see the gravity of what Jesus is telling us? How dangerous it is to, in the parable, build our house on the sand. How, how troubling it is that many of us think this foundation is good enough. I'm doing enough. I'm working enough. I'm serving enough. I go to church. I sing the songs. I give my tithes and offerings. I serve in different areas in different ways. I'm a good person. I talk to my friends. Then I go to church. I do all the right things and check all the boxes. We look at our ground and we say, this sand is good enough. Church, the stakes are much higher than that in this parable. It's not enough to say, say, maybe if I do the wrong thing, I can fix it later. Jesus says, you're building your house. And when the rainy season comes, that's the judgment. Is your house going to stand or not? So as we delve into the main point, 
of the parable of the wise and foolish builders. Let's not come lightly thinking we can make the wrong choice and fix it later. The stakes are literally eternity. So what is the requirement then to enter into the kingdom of God? What is the requirement for us to stand before the gate and for Christ to, to greet us and say, come, spend eternity with me? What is the requirement then that Jesus gives in this parable to make sure our house is built on the rocks? If it's a parable, what does it mean to build your house on the rock? What are we supposed to do? And the requirement Jesus gives us in this parable is adherence to the word of God. Do you believe what the Bible teaches and says? Jesus tells us twice, both the positive and the negative. The wise man, he follows the words of Christ. The foolish man, he does not. So in verse 24, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. That's the requirement. You hear the words of Christ, the word of God, the scriptures you have in front of you, and you listen and do them, and you enter into an eternity with Christ. Verse 26 and 27, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against it, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. The requirement that Christ gives for you and I to enter into the kingdom of heaven for all of eternity is whether or not we take seriously what the Word of God says. And the Word of God teaches us a great many things, but the message of the Bible as a whole all points to one thing and one thing only that we have to know in order to stand before God for all of eternity and say, I want to spend the rest of eternity with you. That one requirement, the one message of the Word of God, the whole point of the 66 books is to say, you can't do it, but Christ did it for you. This is the whole crux of the Gospel. So we're busy building our house on good intentions and good enough. We've, we've done enough to appease our own conscience. The ground is hard enough for the season. We work really hard and do all the good things, but is our, our reliance on the ground or is it on the rock of Jesus Christ? There's a lot of places we get truth from. Scott Hill was our camp pastor. He's, he's a minister in South Carolina, and he talks about all these different places that we absorb truth from. I love this, and this is important for us to understand. But one place we get truth from is, is from our own mind, right? Our, our own head. It's a good idea. It's a reasonable thing to do. So we come up with a plan, and we decide this plan is a good plan. I think and I reason that these are the steps I ought to do as a Christian. And the truth is, we come up with some ingenious things from time to time, some great plans that God gives us and we follow. But the problem with relying on a mind of ourselves or a person is, is that we're fallen people, and sometimes we get it wrong. Another source of truth that is, is maybe equally dangerous is... is the idea that our heart tells us what's right. I feel it. I have an experience that tells me this is right. So oftentimes we, we feel and experience something that, that has to be right. 
And so we follow our heart. Our heart says, do it. My son has a book. He loves Toy Story, and, and we love Toy Story with him. He's got a book that he got with a little Toy Story figurine called Follow Your Heart. I actually read it on a Sunday morning about a year or so ago. I hate that book. It's, it's a horrible, horrible book. It's a real good, feel-good book. Over and over again, it says you've got to follow your heart. Sometimes your head will say, don't do that, but you've got to follow your heart. Sometimes you, you think everything's wrong, but if your heart says it's right, you just follow your heart. I read that book to him, and I change it all the time. As a matter of fact, when he was really little, he thought the word said, follow your Bible. <laughs> follow your Bible. Your head may say, don't do that, but the Bible always knows what's right. <laughs> our source of truth sometimes is our experience. We feel it. It just feels right. The, the truth is there are lots of sources of knowledge, ways that we can try to further ourselves, but there's only one truth that never fails. This morning, our message is really short and to the point, intentionally. It's to change our mindset of this parable away from, I need to make wise decisions. And to let us read this parable and understand, if we don't follow the words of Christ and know the words of God's word, eternity hangs in the balance. So often we look at the Bible as a, a task that we accomplish, a checkbox that we mark off. We, we come to the Bible as an obligation that we have to do. And, and Jesus is telling us, it, it's all of eternity before you. I, I don't know how often you read the Word of God. As a matter of fact, I don't want you to raise your hand, and I don't want you to respond to me. I want this to be rhetorical, but I want you to think about how many times this week you've opened your Bible and read. Now, if you're here sitting in church, you can count it as one. Go ahead, you're one ahead. Go ahead and count them. If you came last Wednesday night, you can count it as two. So there's two. Go ahead and start adding together other times throughout the week that you've opened your Bible with the intention of reading it this week. Now think about this for just a second. If Jesus Christ tells you that your eternity depends on whether or not you adhere to the Word of God, how many times a week should we be opening it? I mean, literally, if, if you're going to face all of eternity based on whether or not you're following the words of Christ, don't you think we ought to open it more than twice? a week. I think of how often I try to fix things around the house and fail miserably. I YouTube things. I, I try to, to get videos to show me how to fix washing machines and dryers. And this week I'm hoping to run a little bit of electric. I've got an expert coming in to help me with that a little bit. I, we'll see how that works out. So many times though, I, I start working on projects, I take them apart, and it's at that moment that I realize I've got an instruction manual somewhere that tells me exactly how to follow these steps and do it. This week, Josiah's birthday, uh, a week ago Josiah's birthday, you got Lincoln Logs, and there's a picture of the log cabin on the front, and immediately I start putting that cabin together until I realize pieces aren't fitting the way they should. If you open that book, it gives you step-by-step -step on how to do it. What do you know? When you read the book, you know how to do the task. And for all of eternity, Jesus is looking and saying, hear these words of mine and follow them. How many times do we open up that book to know it? This morning, the, the message of the wise and the foolish builders is not a message for us to make a wise decision, but it's to understand the gravity and importance to adhere to the word of God. This morning, I want you to know that all of Scripture points to this. 
Every book you read, every verse you memorize, every page of your copy of God's Word is screaming out to you. You cannot do it, but Christ did. So this morning, I I would encourage you to think about your own relationship with Christ. Are you trying to build on your own on a foundation that is good enough? Or are you relying on what Christ did on the cross? Seeking Him to forgive your sins. Acknowledging that He knows how to build better than you know how to build. And putting your foundation on Him. Can we pray together? Father, I'm reminded of songs that we sang even this morning. All my life, You have been faithful. Father, this morning as we come before You, we're we're coming before You confessing how often we try to do things in our own strength. And Lord, we're pretty pleased and happy with how things are going for now. God, we open your word up once, twice a week, maybe. We dabble a little bit and get just enough to make us comfortable. Father, our our lives are built on packed down sand. And when the judgment comes, when the rain comes, God, we're not ready. Father, we pray this morning that you would convict our hearts not to to build on good enough, not to check mark off tasks, not to to just open your Bible enough. Lord, we, we want to know what your word says. Lord, this morning, the, the ultimate message, and I pray that it would pierce all of our hearts, is that we cannot, in our own sin, in our own strength, we cannot accomplish salvation. Father, we pray we would rely on you as the rock. We pray that we would rely on you as our strength. Father, we pray that we would confess to you that you are our Savior of our sins and Lord of our lives. Lord, let us spend the rest of our lives studying your word and reinforcing that truth. It's in your name we pray. Amen.